it was a long thought out conscious decision. It wasn't easy emotionally, it wasn't easy financially, but it was a choice I was lucky enough where we could make it work. And so I made that choice and I am happy with it. Welcome to my show, Big Little Choices. I'm Shri, and my show is about the amazing women and especially moms that all of us are surrounded with. Each episode will feature a mom that I admire and someone who has made a bold and unconventional choice because it's what's best for her and her family. This show is also about building community, so you can hear stories from others like yourself and sometimes very much unlike yourself and feel empowered to make choices that are right for you. I hope you enjoy the show. My guest today is a dear friend and mom extraordinaire, Inna. Inna was born in Russia, but being Jewish, her family experienced extensive anti-Semitism. As a result of this, they chose to move to the United States as part of a refugee program somewhere in the early 90s and settle down in San Francisco. Her story is one that many immigrant families are probably familiar with. Their main focus was getting a job to be able to get us food. My parents are really proud of saying that when they moved here, we were on um, welfare and food stamps for a few months, and that was it. My dad got a job right away. My mom got a job right away. Um, my mom was a programmer in Russia, but here she started work um, cleaning houses and caring for elderly people. Um, now she works as a programmer again, but it took time. Uh, my dad uh, got a job fixing glass at a glass equipment place. So it was really, I think, a shock to their culture, but they didn't have so much time to worry about acclimating themselves or how we were acclimating because it was kind of survival mode. Things slowly started to fall into place after their move. Both of Inna's parents had good jobs, were financially stable, and worked really hard to start and rebuild their lives from scratch. But the transition wasn't particularly easy on all fronts. So when I was younger, I remember being resentful of how much my parents worked and complicated my relationship with my mom for a little bit because she would stay at the office really late. I often wouldn't see her that much and I was angry about that. Um, I remember sort of in my preteen years and I think it was around high school where I wised up and realized the insane sacrifices my parents had made for me and my brother and how hard they worked. Inna went on to excel academically, more of which we'll talk about a little bit later, and was given a lot of freedom and had a great relationship with her family. She almost always met her parents' approval until she had to make a big life-changing choice that her family initially wasn't very happy with. I went to the small Russian Jewish school. Um, all of the guys I dated before Ryan were Russian Jews. It clearly did not work out. But I, um, I met my husband who's American and not Jewish in high school. Mm -hmm. um, we met doing theater and uh, we've been together almost 15 years now. Amazing. So what was it like to marry somebody who was not from the same background culture as you? And how did he or rather how long did it take for him to sort of fit into your um, mm -hmm. life? So for me, it was okay because I was so Americanized by then. It was really hard for my parents. Again, the Jewish part was much more difficult than the Russian part. The Russian part was a little bit difficult just in terms of language and communication. My parents, uh, my mom speaks English really well. My dad tries, but languages don't come that easily to mm -hmm. him. And so it, I think it would have been easier for him to communicate if my husband had been Russian. The Jewish part was the part that was really hard. 
my family definitely did not accept him at first and wanted us to break up. Um, there were questions over whether members of my family would come to our wedding. Members of my family would sit shiva for me, which is what you do when someone in the Jewish community dies. And wow. some really religious people will sit shiva when a family member's a non-Jew because it's like a death in the family. So the standing up against my family was not what I wanted to do. That was the, you know, when a lot of people talked about a brave choice I was making to diversify. I wasn't making a brave choice. I wish I wished so badly that Ryan was Jewish. I wished I didn't have to have this fight, but I loved him and he and I were and are very different, but helped each other grow in ways that I hadn't with anyone else I ever dated. And he was one of the most loyal and generous people I'd ever met. And he's like that as a partner. I thought all the time about whether we should stay together or break up. And we had that conversation a lot. We also had to have conversations about how we were going to raise our children. He wasn't Jewish, but I was. It was really important for me to raise Jewish children. Um, he was okay with that because he wasn't religious, but he grew up celebrating Christmas. And that was a really important non-religious, but nonetheless, very meaningful tradition mm -hmm. for him with his family. He wanted to continue that on with his kids. We spent hours negotiating what would we do with our kids and how would we raise them. And well, we could celebrate Christmas, but it won't be in our house. It'll be in the house of my in-law, you know, just negotiating and hammering out the contract of how we were gonna build this life together. Inna's choice to be with Ryan ultimately paid off, and she gives a lot of credit to Ryan for being unrelentingly supportive and never holding a grudge despite her parents' disapproval in the early years. She jokes now that they actually love Ryan more than Inna herself. And other things also started falling into place. After all the negotiations that they went through, Ryan and Inna successfully have been able to incorporate each of their values into how they raise their kids. So my kids both go to Jewish schools, um, and my kindergartner will tell you that Jewish studies is her absolute favorite part of the day. We do Shabbat in our house every single week, and that's something we decided early on, and we started before we had kids. So every Friday night, I cook a big meal. I always try to make something new and different that we've never had before. Um, my parents come over, my best friend who's like my sister comes over, my brother and sister-in-law and my niece come over. Sometimes we have other people come over. And every Friday night we gather, we light the candles, we drink the wine, even the kids get a sip. And it's just a really special thing. They love Shabbat. They really look forward to it. In addition to cooking an elaborate Shabbat dinner every Friday night, Inna is also one of the most disciplined meal planners I've ever met. Not only does she meticulously plan every meal for her family, but she also spends a big part of her weekend preparing it. These meals can be time consuming to prepare, but she never makes excuses or skips a week. When I think about my kids eating healthy, nourishing food, my heart feels full. I feel good. My friends will say it's like a compulsion and I take it too far because anytime they eat unhealthy food, I freak out. It's the way I show love, um, taking care of their bodies. And I just think of like how hard I worked to grow these little bodies and how I want them to be able to run and play and jump and live long, healthy lives where they feel strong and they feel confident. And I know that food is such a huge part of that. At this point in our chat, we took a step back and talked about Inna's academic journey, where she had to make some big choices. 
After a short stint at UC San Diego, where she wasn't particularly happy, Ina found her way to Wellesley for her undergrad. With a major in linguistics and her now husband then fiancé Ryan, she decided to move back to the San Francisco Bay Area to go to law school at UC Berkeley. And while law school was everything she had dreamed of, Ina wasn't sure about whether it actually fit into her vision for her life. A lot of people go to law school and say, I want to be a lawyer and I'll figure out what I want to do. I didn't go to law school like that. I didn't want to be any type of lawyer and I'd figure it out. Um, prior to law school, I'd worked as a prisoner's legal services office and I went to law school being, I know what I want to do and I want to be a prisoner's legal services lawyer. Um, there's one office in really California, definitely in the Bay Area that does it and it's called prison law office. They don't generally hire directly out of law school or they definitely didn't have any positions opening up out of law school. I met with someone there. I asked about part-time work. It wasn't something they did a ton of. And I, I knew I cared very deeply about the work I wanted to do. And I also knew I was getting to the point where Ryan and I had been together for eight years and I really wanted to start a family and I really wanted to have kids. And I've never been a person that's good at putting in half of my effort anywhere. I sort of throw myself fully into whatever I do. And I didn't feel I could do that with the prisoner's legal services lawyer job that I wanted to do. I knew that if I did that, I would care about it so deeply that I would want to do it full, full time. Mm -hmm. And I would be thinking about it all the time. And I knew that if, or when we had kids, I would want to be with them all the time. Mm -hmm. So as some of you might have already guessed, um, Ina decided to drop out of a very prestigious law school program to become a stay-at-home mom. But the choice was one of the hardest she's ever made. Hours, days, months of agonizing about it. I had spent sort of my whole life from high school on building up to it. When I was in high school, I knew I wanted to go to law school. I worked my butt off in high school, then I worked my butt off in college. I worked my butt off every summer with internships. My entire resume and my entire life was sort of geared for that direction. And I achieved my ultimate goal and here I was thinking about leaving it. My parents were like, are you crazy? What are we gonna tell our friends? Why did our daughter leave Berkeley Law School? I agonized about it for a really long time and it's been seven years and I still agonize about it sometimes. Do you think it was the right choice? I think it was the right choice, but I haven't fully made peace with it. I've been home for six years since Sophia's been born. I've loved most of it, definitely had our challenging moments. I think I surprised a lot of people having gone to Wellesley and then having gone to Berkeley to then choose to be a stay-at-home mom I've gotten comments about whether I've wasted my degrees, wasted my parents' money, the huge amount of money and loans I took out just for my first year at Berkeley. I don't think I have. I think having an educated mom is a really huge benefit to kids. I don't think there's any work that's more important than the work of raising our future generation. I try to remind myself of that. I love that I got to be with my children for these years that passed really quickly and that I'll never get back. I love that it meant I could feed them nourishing meals 
which was important to me. I love that it meant I could spend hours reading with them or playing at the playground with them, that I really got as much control as any parent can have of the type of human beings I'm raising. So how do you think your kids feel about the fact that you're around so much for them? I don't think they think about it very much, to be honest. They don't know anything else. They don't know any different. I wish I could say they feel grateful. I don't think they do. They will at some point. Maybe. I hope so. Ryan tries to remind them of how lucky they are. Look at these amazing meals mom cooked you. Look at how lucky you are that mom makes you these amazing, delicious, healthy meals. Sophia will now say, thank you for my delicious, healthy dinner, mommy. I do worry about whether they, as they get older, they will think less of my worth because I don't work. I hope they will understand that the work of raising children is real and true and damn hard work. When I first met Inna, we bonded over our love for food, nutrition, and obsessive grocery shopping. But soon I discovered that behind this desire to be a stay-at-home mom, there was also a desire to regain her own identity. Being a stay-at-home mom is damn hard work. No one does a performance review every quarter and you're definitely never up for a promotion. No one pats you on your back for making sure the fridge is stocked or that the laundry is done or the play area tidied up. So Inna's story is really inspiring because she made a choice, a deliberate choice, to give up what could have been a very successful career. She's now exploring options that will let her continue to prioritize her home, but at the same time help focus on her career and regain some of her old identity. We wrapped up our chat with some final thoughts in making these difficult choices that are life-changing but truly are what resonate with us the most. So do you think ultimately you're happy with the choice you made to stay back at home despite the fact that you could have had a thriving career, you went to some of the best academic institutions? How does that play out for you? I am happy with my choice. I wouldn't take it back. It wasn't an easy choice. Like I said, I spent hours, days, weeks, months agonizing about it. It was a long, thought-out, conscious decision. It wasn't easy emotionally. It wasn't easy financially in a city like San Francisco. But it was a choice I was lucky enough where we could make it work. And so I made that choice and I am happy with it. Thank you for joining me on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon with another episode. And until then, if you have any feedback or comments on the kinds of choices you'd like to hear more about, let me know.